0: 2,000 years ago, the entire world changed. In fact, anytime you write the date on a check or a form or anytime you glance at a calendar, you are acknowledging that the singular focus point for all of human history happened in the Middle East early on a Sunday morning when Jesus walked out of a stone tomb. A few days prior to the resurrection, uh, Jesus actually went through six different trials. During that series of trials, they really didn't have any substantive charges to bring against Jesus uh, because he hadn't done anything wrong. So they tried to bring against him the charge of treason, claiming that he was setting himself up as a king uh, to rebel against the Roman Empire. But Pilate saw through that charge. He said it was nonsense. Now, the true reason that they killed Jesus was for the charge of blasphemy. He claimed to be the Son of God. According to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he had broken their most sacred law by claiming divinity. Of course, the real reason that they couldn't stand Jesus is because he undercut their authority and challenged their understanding of what it meant to follow God. It's always easier to follow the trappings of religion than it is to have a relationship with God built on following him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. They could not stand Jesus. He had to die. So they crucified him on a Friday. He hung between two thieves for several hours before he finally gave up his spirit. They pierced his side with a spear in order to make sure that he was dead. And then later that day, a few of his wealthy followers came and asked to take possession of his body. They wanted to lay him in a newly cut tomb. They wanted to anoint his body properly for his burial. After they sealed his tomb with a large stone, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate and asked if they could have a contingent of Roman soldiers to guard the body of Jesus. They were worried that his followers might cause trouble. They were worried that they might come and steal the body away and claim that he was somehow still alive. And under no circumstances was anyone to claim that Jesus was alive. But of course, it didn't work. Early on Sunday morning, Jesus rose from the dead. Over the next 40 days, he appeared to hundreds of people. And since that time, all over the world, Christians celebrate Sunday as the day that Jesus rose from the dead. All right, if you only hear me say one thing this morning, um, if you really have a nap that you have to take, or you're uh, only going to pay attention to one thing, let it be this one thing. All right, the church didn't create the resurrection. The resurrection created the church. If you're going to write down one thing, let it be that. The reason that we exist as a people is not because of the teachings of Jesus. Okay, the teachings of Jesus are great and wonderful. They teach us how to live a full life. We need those teachings, but that is not why we exist. Okay, we don't exist because of the divinity of Jesus. Okay, as divine as he was, he was God made flesh that walked on this earth. We don't exist as the church because of the death of Jesus, as necessary as that death was. No, the reason that we have hope, the reason we have the forgiveness of sins, the reason that we can have a relationship with God, the reason that we are here each and every week is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so hear the word of the Lord. This is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, starting in verse 1. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles, but they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. All right, there are a number of things we could say about this account. I think it's interesting that the first people to know about the resurrection of Jesus are the women. Okay, all the gospel accounts agree on this, right? It's the women who first witness the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, but especially in Luke's gospel, it's always the women or the poor or the outcast. Always it's those who are looked down upon by the respectable people who first get to see the kingdom of God. Okay, if you really want to understand the kingdom of God, don't look to the rich and powerful, look to the low. Okay, and so if you were making up this story, if you were going to create a good foundational story for Christianity, you wouldn't write it like this. Okay, you'd have the resurrection appear to people who were powerful, who were in charge. Jesus would have come and met with Caesar. He wouldn't come like he did into the rich, I mean into the poor and the lowly. Okay, there's a lesson in this about how the gospel is for everyone especially the unexpected right in fact the further outside of power you are the more likely that you will realize that true power resides in the kingdom of God you know I think it's also interesting that the apostles didn't believe the women right the women show up and say hey he is risen and the apostles didn't believe it because it sounded like nonsense Which is kind of funny because Jesus had told his followers that he was going to be crucified and rise again on the third day. They had heard this story well before it happened several times, and yet they still didn't get it. Just a few days earlier, they had witnessed Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead and declare, I am the resurrection, and they still didn't get it. They had seen him give sight to the blind, they'd seen him heal lepers, and they still couldn't believe that Jesus would live again. Hey, there's a lesson in this about how the gospel requires faith. Right? It's one thing to say that we love Jesus. It's even one thing to follow him, but do we really believe his words? Does our faith really extend beyond what we see? Okay, we nod along when we hear the word of the Lord, but does it really impact our lives? Does it really change anything? What does following Jesus really change for you? Okay, hey, I think it's also interesting. How the story ends with Peter running to the tomb. You know, Peter takes a lot of criticism in the Gospels, right? And rightly so. Uh, Peter's always the one that talks first. Peter's always the one that's putting his foot in his mouth. Peter's always the one getting things wrong. Jesus multiple times has to say, okay, Peter, hold on just a second. That's not the way we're going to do this, right? Okay, and yet I love it that Peter actually gets up and runs to the tomb. Where were the other guys? Right? Peter actually does show some faith. This is like when Peter gets out of the boat and walks on the water, right? And Jesus criticizes Peter for his lack of faith because Peter starts sinking. Okay, but at least he got out of the boat, right? And we see in this that God can do great things even if we have just a little faith. Right? You don't have to be a Moses, you don't have to be Elijah, you don't have to be a Paul. Okay, but we can be like Peter, right? Do we have the faith to step out when we're unsure? Like Peter, are we willing to get out and go? Go. All right, there are a lot of things that we could take away from this story. Uh, But what I want us to do for the rest of our time this morning is I want to talk about why the resurrection matters to us today. Okay, what difference does this story make that happened 2,000 years ago to how I get up and go to work tomorrow? Who really cares anymore what happened so long ago Jesus, right? And the first thing is this. If you're taking notes, write this down. And that is that the resurrection matters because it puts us into a relationship with Jesus. Yeah, the resurrection matters because it puts us into a relationship with Jesus. All right, pretty much everybody alive today admires Jesus. Okay, hey, everybody thinks that Jesus was a good guy, that he taught some very good things. Everyone likes the parts where Jesus says things like don't judge and love people and love people who aren't like you. Everybody thinks Jesus taught some good things and he was a good guy. Okay, hey, everybody thinks the world would be a better place if everybody else did a better job of living like Jesus. Right, but you cannot believe that Jesus was just a great teacher unless you also think he was crazy. Okay? He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to defeat death. If you take Jesus seriously as a teacher, then you have to accept even his difficult teachings. Okay? Being a Christian requires a belief in the resurrection. It is only because of the resurrection that we can have a real relationship with Jesus. All right, I told you some of this story last week, uh, but I left out the best part because I was saving it for this Sunday. All right, last Saturday, a week ago, I went to the airport to pick up my family after their spring break trip. And I got there a little bit early and I had plenty of time to stand right at the top of the big escalators that everybody's coming off of before they go to get their baggage. Uh, and you see everybody that's waiting there for their loved ones to come up the escalator and you get to witness all the reunions between people and their loved ones. Right? And so you see lots of stuff, right? You see uh, parents like me meeting their kids, coming up the escalator and hugging and all that kind of stuff. I even witnessed one guy, you could tell he was obviously young and inexperienced, he was waiting for his sweetie with a bouquet of flowers. like, way to make the rest of us look bad, buddy. Okay, get out of here, okay? The sweetest story of all, though, the most the impressive moment, the thing that I thought, as soon as I saw it, I was like, that'll preach, okay? Um, but what I saw was, The elevator opened, and this little old lady, she's probably 85, was sitting in a wheelchair being pushed out by one of the airline employees, and she's coming off of the elevator being pushed. You can just see her scanning the crowd of people waiting, okay? And in the crowd of people, you could see this little old man about her same age shuffling over, and as soon as he saw her, his face lit up. As soon as she saw him, her face lit up, and he went over and bent down and gave her the biggest kiss and the biggest hug, took the wheelchair from the the flight guy, um, and starts rolling her away, and she just takes her hand and just holds his hand on the wheelchair while they go off, just as happy as you can possibly be, okay? If that doesn't hit you right in the feels, you're dead inside, right? All right, now back up for just a minute. What do you think I would have to give that little old man as he was waiting there for his wife in order to get him not to be there when she got off the elevator? Do You think if I went up to him and said, hey, I will give you a thousand dollars if you will leave and your wife doesn't get to see you today. Do you think if I'd have told him, hey, I'll give you an all-expenses-paid vacation to anywhere you want to go if you will just not be here when your wife comes up off that elevator? Do you think he would have taken my deal? Okay, what do you think it would have taken for me to get him not to be there to meet his precious wife? I don't think there's anything I could have given that man to be anywhere other than right where he was. Okay, More than anything else in the world, he wanted to be reunited with his wife. Do you know what God wants more than anything else in the world? More than anything. Do you know what God wants more than anything? It's to be in a relationship with you. It is to be reunited with you. God sent his own son to the cross so that he could be in a relationship with you. The glory of the resurrection is that because Jesus defeated death, you and I can be reunited with God for all of eternity. Okay, that's the gospel. By becoming a Christian, by going through your own symbolic death, burial, resurrection, and baptism, what you do is you are claiming the power of the resurrection of Jesus, and that unites you with God. The resurrection means forgiveness, it means grace, it means that absolutely nothing can separate you from the love of God Almighty. Number two. The resurrection also means that someday we will live with God. While Rachel was gone for a week, uh, I lived as a bachelor. Do you think I made the bed while she was gone? Uh, Do you think I'd wash dishes every day while she was gone, or did I let them all pile up in the sink? There was a pile, right? Um, There were pizza boxes stacked there, right, because that's how I roll, right? Um, And that Xbox isn't going to play itself, right? I mean, I had to do what I had to do while she was gone. Okay, the day that she was getting ready to come back, do you think I left it all like that? Do you think I left the pizza boxes stacked? Uh, Do you think I left the bed unmade? Do you think I left the seat up? Do you think I left the, the house like it was? No. Okay. I straightened everything up. I threw out all the pizza boxes. I moved my lounge chair back to where it goes instead of right in front of the television. Okay. I prepare our house for her to come home to. Why? Okay. Because I was excited to see my family and I wanted to be ready for them to come home. Very similarly, when Jesus was getting ready to go to the cross, he had several long conversations with his disciples preparing them for this event. One of the conversations he had with them, we read about in John chapter 14. This isn't on your screen, but hopefully this is familiar to you. He's telling them, I'm going to leave you, but he says this He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Part of what it means that Jesus rose from the dead is it means he has left to prepare a home for you and I to be with him for all of eternity one of the greatest promises of the resurrection is that you and I will get to be with our God, with our Lord forever. Okay, And this changes things, right? Because when we have loved ones that pass away, we don't grieve like the rest of the world does. Why? Because we grieve, but we grieve with hope. We know this isn't the end. We know there's something more permanent coming. And the resurrection is our promise that God is preparing that permanent place for us right now. Fair enough? All right, number three and finally. The resurrection matters because it promises that one day justice will get the last word. Okay, and this is important because as we live in the world and we look around and see what's going on around us right now, we recognize that the world is broken. We live in a world in which children die from chemical weapons in Syria. We live in a world in which North Korea is trying to develop nuclear weapons. We live in a world in which just the other day there was another school shooting. We do not have to look very far to tell that our world is broken. In our own individual families, we can see that the world is broken. One of the injustices we're dealing with in my house right now is that Rachel and I are getting ready to have to appear before a judge to argue that our kid is sick. Okay? Okay? He only uses two chambers of his heart, right? But we're going to have to argue that he really is a medical kid, right? That's weird. Okay? It's not fair. There's a lot of stuff in your life that's going on right now that's not fair. You're having to fight battles right now in your life that you didn't sign up for. You're having to fight injustice that is just not fair. There's sicknesses, there's job concerns, there's all kinds of stuff that you know about in your own life that it's not right and it's not fair. The promise of the resurrection of Jesus, though, is that justice will ultimately get the last word. The resurrection promises that the Pharisees and the Sadducees don't get the last word. The Roman governor doesn't get the last word. The demons that Jesus encounters don't succeed. The cross is not the end of the story. The promise of the resurrection is that Jesus has overcome death and that the last word always belongs to God. We celebrate today because the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me today. We claim the power of Jesus Christ in our own lives because he died and rose from the dead for you. Alright, at this time in our service, we're going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. Uh, during the singing of this song, I will be down front. One of our shepherds will be down front. Uh, we would love it if there's a, a need in your life, something you would like us to pray about with you or talk about with you. Uh, this is a time in our service where we as the church are here for you. And before we sing that song, I'd like to close this with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace.